This episode of The A-Team is brought to you by FaceToFaceGames.com, Canada's number one source for Magic the Gathering card singles. But I will do you a solid. I will get your updated Ponza list, and I will make it on Magic Online because I think I have most of the cards for it because I made it once. And um, I will send you a tweet every time I, hey, just lost an eight man, thought you should know. Hey, just lost a daily, thought you should know. Hey. Welcome to the A-Team Podcast, brought to your ears by ManorDeprived.com, home of Canadian magic. In 2010, a crack magic playing unit was sent to prison by the DCI court for mise they didn't commit. These men promptly escaped from a federal pound-me-in-the-ass prison to the Canadian underground. Today, still wanted by Wizards of the Coast, they survive as podcasters of fortune. If you have a problem, if no one else can help, and if you can find them, maybe you can listen to The A-Team. KYT. Anything that costs a shit ton of mana, you're just like, bang! And you're like, fuck. How does that go? Bang! Fuck. <laughs> Jay Boosh. And that's like the hyper angle. I never want to play in another GP again. I, want to, I never, ever want to play in another GP. Jeremy. And you're the reason I play Magic too. I'm like, I just like, I die. I died. I was like, like just melting on the inside like that. I have inspired this kid to play Magic. And Matt. So I'm having this conversation with this guy in Chile about my deck. And then I'm getting pizza from a guy in Canada. Like, magic is fucking weird. And now, the A-Team. Hey, everyone. Welcome to episode 299.5 of the A-Team podcast. This is KYT, joined by two of my favorite co-hosts of all fucking time. First of all, we got Matt Mendoza. How's it going, Matt? We are two of your favorite hosts. <laughs> I mean, how, you have, what, probably three favorite hosts or four favorite hosts? Maybe, like, counting all of them, there's five. All right. You're just two of them. You're two of them. I'm going to take it I will as take it. you're a two of two. <laughs> and suck it, Jay. Suck it, Scotty. Suck it, uh, fucking Jesse. Suck it, um, Medina. fucking dude. Medina. <laughs> Hashtag West Medina. There we go. Scumbag Schofield <laughs> in the house as well. So how's it going, Jeremy? Uh, it goes well, but see, you make it just seem so easy. I try to, like, come up with, like, these convoluted, like, entries, and you're just like, wow, welcome to the episode. We're the A-Team. Here's my friend, and here's my other friend, and they're better than the other friends. <laughs> <laughs> I try, I try. I know. Oh, I, try. I try not to try, I guess, um, too hard. Um... Did you see that Durf is in Portugal? Yeah. Yeah, he's in Portugal. Why is he in Portugal? He's, he's finally decided to travel across. I mean, he, he mentioned to me that it was, for him, it was a huge jump that it, because he hasn't traveled the world at all. So for him, it was like a big step to discover what's out there. Also part of his I don't know, journey to uh, learn more about himself and, and to discover new things. So that's pretty cool. I, I thought everybody else spent their like formative years like watching Babylon Five and eating Cheetos. <laughs> mine like, was, that was my self discovery. Mine was Clerks and Mountain Dew. Clerks is very good. Yeah, Clerks is very good. I did watch all of that stuff. I enjoy that. 
<laughs> a Mountain Dew? Mountain Dew. Well, Mountain Dew is different for us. Ooh, okay. How so? Yeah. Uh, for the longest time, you were not allowed to have caffeine in a clear beverage. And clear was like, what? could you see through Canada? Okay. <laughs> so our Mountain Dew didn't have caffeine. Oh, wow. At first. So, like, what's the fucking point? Right? Yeah. That is, yeah. Uh, that is the question, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So eventually they got their head together and they figured it all out. But yeah, your guys' Mountain Dew is way different than our Mountain Dew. What was the logic between, behind that law? Um, Canada. <laughs> okay. I mean, you can't be clear right about everything, I be, guess. Like, clear drinks can't be caffeinated because clear. Okay. Yeah. That'd be dark. <laughs> well, before KYT forgets, Jay is sick this week. Oh, yeah. I love doing that. <laughs> so Jay's just, just can't make it. Yeah. Um. He said he has no voice. And uh, we apologize about last week. Uh, what, we were, what about last week? Well, we were uh, we were gone last week. I don't know what if you if you remember Jeremy. I don't know if you listen to our podcast, <laughs> but we did not have one last week. And I don't know if you have any fans that would have told you, "Hey, where's the podcast this week?" No, nobody listens anymore. But I don't. Uh, I don't know if you knew that. <laughs> but yes, uh, I will. I. I there's going to be some changes. We're not 100% sure what they are, and we're not going to go in-depth into them this episode, uh, but we will next week. Right. I mean, I, I think what? just by you saying that, people are going to leave some, some feedback, yeah. so we welcome that. Yeah. For, for that. Yes, absolutely. Tell us what you want us to do so that we can come up with a plan for what we want to do. <laughs> Does that make sense? <laughs> yes, uh, please. All right, send us Fuck, any. I, I, I guess, I guess that would be a good request. Send us any feedback. We want to hear from you. We want to hear about what the A team is to you, about what works, what doesn't work, and just your thoughts. Anything you've had over the last, you know, however many episodes, and uh, where A team kind of fits in your life. We want to hear about it. And you can post on the in the comments on the episode. Or you can send them directly to uh, any of us. So Also, Ultra Tribes, if you still listen to the show, this is your moment, because I know you'd always put these long fucking contrived things about what's wrong with the show. This time we'll actually read it, so <laughs> fire away, bro. <laughs> or we'll do something about it. Um, so oh, moving quickly to Magic Land. Yeah. Magic. Um, the, the next oh, couple of... Uh, Gotta plug in my sponsor's next couple events. The face to face games open is. Oh, I bunch... thought we didn't have to talk about face to face. Oh no, we do have to oh, talk. We do fast, fast, sure, fast, fast, fast. Um, so we got a bunch of events that are coming up in Ontario at the end of the month, uh, whether it be Kitchener, Waterloo, London, or Thunder Bay. Modern events coming your way, and our first time, our first time, our first F two F open in Winnipeg. Uh, it's a 2K on Saturday, November 5th. But this past weekend, we once again, I think we broke records again uh, when it comes to attendance because Albertans really love Magic. I think they're, yeah, they rival yeah, some of the people. They definitely crush Montreal in terms of community. used to like almost be able to keep pace. Well, we kept pace with Montreal for sure. 
right. or like old school PTQs, like we would, no one could touch fucking Toronto. Like Toronto was insane. Toronto was like world class insane. Yeah, Kelly was still is. absolutely bonkers. So, but I, I, we would like we kept up with New York. I remember like the last like four that we had, we were had we had better atten- uh, attendance in New York. So I figured that was pretty fucking impressive. Um, I don't know if you you've caught up and to see who won, Jeremy, but our friend Brian Sue took down. Absolutely, the, I was just about to open. say that. Yeah, I was going to say it's like the best thing about the Ontario uh, PPTQs is that you're not going to lose to Brian. <laughs> <laughs> what I love about him winning is that slowly we're seeing his name more and more as leading towards the World Magic Cup. So all these Albertans, especially Doug and yourself, who have been plugging him as the real deal. Finally, we're going to also get him to see him showcase, hopefully, his skills on the bigger stage if Canada gets some sort of feature match. So I'm really excited about that. Yes. And uh, he took it on Modern. Yeah. Is sweet. Modern is sweet. Ponza. Ponza, 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 Ponza. (laughs) Ponza. God. Ponza, Ponza. So Brian took it down. With Bat Eldrazi, um, and, and Doug won, I think, the Edmonton or Red Deer Open with Bat Eldrazi as well. So, kind of like uh, one of the top performing decks in Alberta, Jer. Bat Eldrazi. It's, it's interesting in the sense that, you know, you'll have people who test together, um, for lack of better, better words, their teams, right? So one of the teams right now in Alberta, an MTA-based team, is really kind of pushing things, and both those guys are on that team. So maybe it's a little team thing. Maybe they're all getting together and saying this is the best deck, and they don't go super hardcore, but they are there to share ideas. And sometimes that's just enough, mm-hmm. just to kind of surround yourself with people who think magic at an advanced level. And. I'm going to have to plug someone that you've plugged so many times on this show before, who top eight as well, one of the biggest, uh, if not the biggest, uh, FTF Open we've ever hosted. Attila Fur also top eighted uh, with Red Green um, Prime uh, Time, like Through the Breach, basically. Breach yeah, yeah, the Through the Breach escape uh, shift thing. Uh, he he liked to call it red green Kataki shift, but I don't, I don't see anything that is uh, too funky there. He's not splashing away for Kataki or anything. So um, I mean, it could so- be it could be Titan <laughs> shift. Some people call it Titan shift. I don't know why well, anybody would call it Kataki shift. <laughs> um, well, there is a Kataki joke with Bosu and face to face games. Oh, so you know what it maybe is? Maybe it was just a little jab thing at that. Do you know what it is? Uh, so what it was, if I recall correctly, Bosu asked for some Kataki, so they got put off to the side for him. Uh, I can't remember. I think it was like there were some Katakis put off to the side for Bosu, and he didn't want to buy them. Or no, it was vice versa. I think Bosu had some Katakis, and he was thinking about getting rid of them, and face-to-face made him an offer on them. And he was like, no, nah, I don't want to sell them for that, blah, 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 blah. Like, nah, you know, I don't want to sell them. And then the next week, they just bought it out completely. <laughs> it was something along the lines like that, but it's like a schmaltzy Bosu story that I'm kind of telling terribly. I'm sure that Bosu will be was going, very frustrated. I thought it was going to be something about he set aside Katakis 
and then all of a sudden it turned into a scape shift deck. And they were <laughs> yeah, like, do you want to buy this no. scape shift deck? They're no, like, no. He's like, no, Nothing. those those aren't Katakis. But it's a scape shift <laughs> think, deck. Uh, and I they're like, Schmaltz okay, said I'll take the scape shift in a tournament. You get Katakis. Okay. Like he's, mean, he's he's made comments in MTG Alberta, like offering up Katakis for people who knock Bosu out of tournaments. Okay. Attila, Attila got me excited there. I thought he was like really splashing, splashing the white for. Uh, he might be. I was a maniac, so. But he's not. But uh, he's a maniac. When he, yeah, but he did. I mean, he didn't do it, and uh, you've been hyping him as like the the brewer, not the brewer, but like the tuner, the tweaker at least. The, 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 if you need to know anything involving a deck with Scapeshift in it, he's definitely the first person you should be talking to. Sprite ended up beating Evan Bar- Bar- Parker. That was the name Parker. Parker with uh, Suicide Zoo. Uh, and the matchup, I assume, went as expected with uh, you know, Thought Nuts here being one of the tougher cards for the Suicide Zoo deck to handle. So, uh, you know, Battle Drazi, still, still a thing and still one of the best decks in the format. Um, when is uh, the world champion thing? Like, when it's, in the, uh, it's, in ex- it's in next month. It's in next next month. month. Huh? Roughly, if I had to guess, around the 12th without using my clackly clackly keyboard, I think it's around the 12th of November. So, less, <laughs> less than a month. Um, it, it was pretty cool to see. Uh, and shout out to Bozu for supporting Face to Face so much in the MTG Alberta. Uh, group, especially when the initial guy who posted it posted the events. Like, I know face to face have had like some sketchy, uh, a, bad, a bad track record, and he just like record. immediately kung fu's the guy. <laughs> what well, was literally one event that you know I expressed regret over, and we learned a lot from it. Setting pre reg, doing all this stuff, and then since well, then we posted a few. You also events. have to understand how no matter what good you do, it still follows you around. Right, right. No matter what, like and... the clubs still think that it's a, it's it was a, a garbage uh, event with a poor track record. We're we're trying our best to keep it going and keep improving. Especially, we want to improve the most, especially when it comes to Alberta, because of the people we get. We obviously, when we book a venue, we're actually at some point scared that we might even with pre-reg because of the popularity of modern in Alberta that we would have to turn away people. So that's definitely a focus for us in in 2017. And another funny story was yesterday on Twitter, I found that someone was complaining. Like we we had a picture of Sal and Ben Stiller because Ben Stiller is actually filming basically across the street, uh, his new movie uh, produced by Brad Pitt. And they took a picture and someone on Twitter said a comment like that, Ben Stiller is as funny as how uh, we run our events. And then I wanted some clarification on that because, like, does he think that means I guess he thinks Ben Stiller is really funny and that it, our events are just a laughing matter. <laughs> and or, or or the other way. I mean, I mean, I, I guess maybe it's a compliment. But uh, then he mentioned how he was disappointed in the time delays and the lack of tablecloths of RGPs in 2014 and 2015 in Montreal. Well, GP Toronto was our first ever GP, and so we, we got mixed up with other TOs as well. So there is, um, just like uh, the tra- bag track record, well, this is different. There's a lot of uh, mis- misinformation that could be, like, people just assume that since we're the biggest in Canada, we run every GP up here. But well, you do we run don't. every GP up here, <laughs> don't you? 
We're not doing Montreal next year, I don't think. It's not us. I think it's been announced. Um, we have Toronto again. That's been announced. And uh, yeah, so sometimes it's sometimes it's Amer- an American TO that comes up and does Vancouver too, right? So yes, we're definitely course, yeah. not responsible for everything in Canada. So uh, I don't know about that. <laughs> It was a funny story. It's like 2014, <laughs> no tablecloths, definitely not us. Um, but uh, Matt, have you had a chance to touch Ponza even a bit? I haven't touched Modern and looking at this, it hasn't really changed my mind of any deck I would play. I would still probably play a Scapeshift type deck or, or Ben Eldrazi, which I think is just really sweet and has proven to be pretty consistent, especially like Brian Sue's deck. I have. Ooh. I haven't got to test it much, but I have been brewing. Uh, we are adding Madcap Imperion to Ponza. Oh, shit. So it is, we think it's the right shell for it, just because it can provide just enough disruption to where Imperion can do its thing. And then we have enough stuff in our sideboard that we can change it up should we suspect, you know, against some of those more mid-rangey Abzan Jund kind of decks that have a lot of removal, a lot of ways to deal with Imperion. But, um, yeah, we're uh, pretty stoked about it. Uh, I'm going to be doing extensive testing uh, because I will be playing in GP Dallas. So uh, expect, uh, you know, see me there. I'm going to play Ponza. I can't not. Uh, I know that, like, I have other goals. But it's a modern GP. Winning isn't one of them. <laughs> um, based on the conversations I've had with people on this podcast about how playing higher variance decks may be suitable for an event uh, like a GP as opposed to like a a PPTQ or whatever, uh, I I want to play it on a main stage. I love I love the deck and. Uh, I, I you know I go back and forth where I'm just like oh why why am I playing this deck oh why have you forsaken me but I I just I don't know I love it it's it's great uh, but yes so we are playing Madcap Imperion uh, how did you stumble upon that like what made you what do you mean like how did you say oh man this fit, fits perfectly Oh, I, we, we already knew. Like, once they spoiled Madcap Experiment, and then we realized that it worked with Platinum Imperion, we were like, wait, we can play a 4-mana 8-8 that just wins the game a lot of times. So so what, remind me, what are you taking out for this combo? Um, basically, so what what we're going... What our theory is, is that with playing with Madcap Experiment makes the deck a lot faster and a lot more, like, and a lot more aggressive at the same time. So you basically don't need a lot of the grindier cards that you would use sometimes to get you a little bit over the hump because your 4-4s, for example, aren't as big. So what we took out was uh, Primal Command. Okay. uh, The two Obstinate Bailoth, uh, because basically Bailoth and Imperion kind of do the same thing. uh, Right. With Madcap Experiment. Uh, Chameleon Colossus, because once again, uh, Colossus is a little bit more resilient, but we liked Colossus because it was a faster clock. Uh, so that's five cards right there, or four cards right there. And then we're taking out, uh, what was the other stuff? Uh, one Bonfire of the Damned, 
four one Inferno Titan, and then the one Chandra. I think uh, some combination of that sort of stuff. Uh, some of the logic behind that is because when you have Imperion, Imperion is actually pretty solid against most of the deck th decks that go wide, which are the decks that you would want Bonfire of the Damned against. So the the there's but there's two ways of thinking about that where you can you can logic that Imperion a lot of times will sit on the battlefield and can't get into combat because if it gets into combat it will it will die. So you just kind of sit there and then you have to you have these mucked up boards and uh bonfire allows you to clear the way. Uh so there's that logic of playing four bonfire and maybe three is enough there. But there's also the logic that Imperion is better against all the Zoo decks, against all the other aggressive decks that go wide, against Affinity, all that stuff. Uh, just because it, it just sits there and, and just prevents you from losing the game, basically. So is it, is it a five-card package? It's a six-card package. Six. So you're playing 4-2? Correct. Okay. Yeah. Uh, we, we think so far that that's the, probably the best combination. Okay. Uh, because, I mean, it's can be said that we sometimes you'll draw your second Imperion and Madcap Experiment is a dead draw, but you can also we can make enough mana to play our second Imperion. So, uh, but it's really interesting the ways that Imperion kind of constrains the deck. Uh, if you think of all the like tiny interactions, uh, so you first you have fetch lands and stomping ground, uh, you can't pay the life to put Stomping Ground into play untapped, and then you can't fetch with Imperion in play. So a lot of times, like, the stuff that's high on the curve, so Imper uh, Imperion stops you sometimes from playing Inferno Titan. Uh, we do have a little bit of an advantage to some decks that might play Madcap, Madcap Imperion and Fetchlands, and that we have Blood Moon to make our Fetchlands uh, operable. Oh, okay. So there's a little bit of positive and negative synergy there. Gotcha. Um, and then if you go further up, we we are obviously not playing Obstinate Baleth anymore, uh, because the Madcap experiment kind of fills that slot. Uh, Primal Command was cut because a lot of times, most of its moans are gain 7, do something else. Uh, with Imperion in play, you can't gain life. Yeah. So Thrag Tusk is also another thing that we're not going to play, because you can't gain life. Nonbo. Correct. Um, and then Inferno Titan, being that it costs more, uh, and the deck is just more aggressive, what we're actually thinking is that perhaps dragons are more valuable now because they fly. And, like, for example, you can play, play a madcap experiment on curve, stop, hold down the ground, stop yourself from dying, and then the flying on dragons allows you to attack over ground creatures. So you don't have to rely on drawing bonfires. You also don't have to rely on the arc lightning effect of, of Inferno Titan as much. Uh, in addition, if you there are some situations where you get into where you need to be aggressive, you need to start winning the game, but all you have is Imperno, Inf, Inferno Titan and Imperion. And a lot of times, yeah. like there's just situations where are, you throw your Inferno Titan into combat, and they're just going to multi-block it uh, just because they can, they can afford to do that. So we are th we're thinking that dragons are now actually more important to the deck. Uh, and then in the sideboard, uh, you have interactions uh, with Imperion such as Dismember, 
Uh, you can't pay life, so you can't cast Dismember, uh, which may or may not be a, be important depending on where we want Dismember. A lot of times, Imperion is not good against Infect uh, because obviously they're not trying to kill you with damage. So Dismember can often come in when Imperion goes out. That being said, Imperion being a 4-mana 8-8 is often really just really important. That that speed that you get uh, by not having to have the extra disruptive elements and taking away turns from your opponent, unlike the previous builds of this deck, uh, it's just super important. That's why we love it. In Plat uh, Madcap Imperion, for example, is really great against Tron and Scapeshift where a lot of times against Tron and Scapeshift, you just have to have a constant, because you're playing 4-mana four 4-4s, four we're not the su a super fast deck, you have to have a constant supply of disruptive spells, or they can get back into the game. Whereas Imperion is just like, you play two disruptive spells, and the Imperion kills them. So, do you worry that like you're directing a lot of the deck towards Madcap? And kind of a way, because it sounds like you got all these things that are kind of like based on the fact that you're going to have this four mana eight eight out. Um, a like, little bit. Uh, we, you know, we're still filling it out. We haven't done extensive testing or anything. This is all basically theory crafting. Uh, we do okay. know that the deck is now a little bit more vulnerable to the mid range disruptive decks, uh, because yeah. of the fact that we're not playing Baloth, which really, when it comes down to it. I have only discarded Baloth to a Liliana two or three times in almost a thousand matches of Modern. It doesn't yeah. happen that often. Uh, occasionally, you see it, but but by players that don't know what the deck, what your deck is doing. But if they have Inquisitioned or Thought Seized you at any point before they play Liliana, they are definitely not going to plus one Liliana. Uh, so that that theory, I think that people overstate that interaction, uh, the importance of that interaction. Uh, but your creatures, now that with Madcap Experiment, and uh, uh, you have just an 8-8 that's just more vulnerable to more stuff. Uh, yeah. Like Culligan's Command can kill it. Uh, you have Terminate, Path, all that stuff. I, that being said, it's still like, it's still resilient to Lightning Bolt. And uh, some other, some of the other removal spells, and then it also um, one of the reasons that we really liked Chameleon Colossus was that it could not die to their black removal spells, and then also yeah. get big enough to kill a Goyf. So uh, there is still the fact that we are playing an eight eight, which kills a Goyf. It's just harder to, it's just easier to kill. Uh, so we have to figure out a way to make alter our deck to be better against the mid-range decks that are more attrition-y uh, because now we're just inherently better against the aggro decks uh, in theory so our sideboard is actually going to reflect that we're thinking more kitchen finks we're thinking more uh, more thrun more chameleon colossus uh, even uh, apparently uh, Michael has had some testing, done some testing with Chandra Torch, and says Chandra Torch has been amazing for him. Um, partially because, uh, unlike Chandra, uh, Chandra Pyromaster, Chandra Pyromaster Zero draws you cards, but doesn't get itself closer to be, being an endgame. It just yeah. stabilizes. Whereas Chandra Torch doesn't draw you lands, but it's basically you give it three turns. If they can't kill it, it just 
ultimates, and you basically won the game from there. Uh, so yeah, there'll be lots of lots of testing to be done. Uh, we have a lot of questions about that stuff ourselves. Uh, we're still not sure what the best version is, uh, and it definitely highly depends on the on your meta game. Uh, All right. But uh, I mean, you know, Madcap Experiment does get hit by Spell Pierce, uh, but a lot of our deck already got hit by Spell Pierce. It's one of the cards that we're thankful is not more popular in modern, and we're going to be even more thankful that it's not more popular. Uh, but I'm I'm excited about the possibilities that even even if we only put that six card package in the sideboard, it's still really solid against decks like Fish, and uh, that we have a lot of like Fish is one of our worst matchups actually, and uh, Madcap. Imperion, uh, like Platinum Imperion just kind of sits on the board. They have to Vapor Snag it. And then, uh, as long as we don't attack with it, they can't Harbinger of the Tides it. And they're not going to bring in Hercules Recalls against us. I mean, maybe they do. I don't know. <laughs> That's like super desperation. Yeah, right? Um, but I mean, in a lot of... Uh, I, I mean, Michael has played probably 15, 20 matches, probably more than that so far with uh, Mad the Madcap version of the deck, and he talks about there's a lot of games that he loses that he, like, immediately wins because Madcap Experiment is just the top card of his library and not in his hand. Okay. So, that's, that's our logic there. Hmm. Okay. Excited to see um, the progression. I know there's listeners that have played this deck and have been testing it. So looking forward to anybody with feedback. And there's that guy at the WMCQ who went like, KYT, don't play it. <laughs> I bought the deck, but don't fucking play it. Don't you dare fucking play it, KYT. I said, okay, I'm not, I'm not playing it. I'm not playing it. <laughs> uh, and uh, so that's, that's our modern stuff. Um, Oh, also, Jarrah's I touched... should mention, I'm sorry, I should mention, yeah. we're thinking about cutting more mosses, uh, cutting from our number of mosses, and playing more beast what? Um, No. Can't be right. I don't know. I mean, we don't need, to, right. we don't need to ramp as much. <laughs> if we don't need don't to need ramp as much, we don't need acid moss as much. You mean, no, you it's need like the, because the format, four mana is where you want to be for, for the experiment? Uh, correct. Okay. And we're just cutting more from our top end. We're cutting one, you know, if we cut one bonfire, a lot some people think that the deck doesn't even need inferno titans. And in some in some metagames I'm actually inclined to agree. Hmm. Yeah, it's exciting. I, yeah. All right. Um I did want to make a comment because you 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 talked about a topic that when we had Lantier on, uh Dan Lantier who I think that okay, but not superb at the recent PT. We talked about the deck choice, picking deck choice. And me and him both agreed that, you know, if you think you're better than your opponent in a given format, you, you want to play a lower variance deck so that more decisions are made so that you can make more decisions, better decisions than your opponent. Um, and, and I've had personal talks with, with Alex Hain as well on this topic, and he agrees with that. But for me, for specifically for modern, I don't think that's necessarily the case because I feel like a lot of decks just make it so that you will never, based on the way they're designed and their, their clock, you're never going to reach a certain level 
of decision making. Like even if you're a control deck and you're facing some specific decks in the format that can just kill you right away, there's not that many. You can't really extend the game that much compared to something like standard, where because the power level is so much lower, maybe not anymore because it's the power power creep. I feel mm-hmm. um, that that's less of a concern. I feel like you want a more haymaker type deck, actually, in my opinion. So I'm glad to see you sticking. Actually, happy to, to see you sticking with your deck choice. Well, thank you. Uh, I'm I'm glad somebody feels that way. <laughs> <laughs> I might be the only one. I might be the only one. I, I've had people come up to me and listen to that episode and say, you know what, Jay's right. You know, Mendoza just needs to fucking tell himself that his deck is garbage and move on. Basically, I've had, I've had people walk up to me and tell me this. So I mean. Like, I'm in the I minority. could show them. I could show them tweet after tweet after tweet that I get from people who are like crush my F and M, like top aided my top aided and won two PPTQs this weekend. One, you know, top aided the Canadian WMCQ, which right, you know, right. I mean, I think that there's definitely something to be said about looking at results and just saying, uh, like, I, picking and choosing. Uh, but I don't know if I just don't know if it the deck has picked up enough steam yet for those constant that constant flow of good results to come in. You know what I mean? Right, right. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I agree with that. Um, Jera, did you catch much of the Pro Tour coverage? Yeah, yeah, I watched a lot of Pro Tour. I had the weekend off, so uh, I. Yeah, I had Friday, Saturday, Sunday off, so it's like, okay, well, let's uh, let's plant ourselves in front of the TV and watch as much as we can, and uh, yeah, it was uh, pretty entertaining. Uh, Kaladesh seems like a very fun uh, format as far as standard goes. We've got a couple dredge-style decks. We've got legitimate combo decks. Uh, control showed up. Um, I'm just excited to see how many people are going to try and play a Shota deck because that's always entertaining. Uh, like I mean, best advice you can get for the pro tours when they ask them, "What are you going to? What, what advice do you have for people who are going to play this deck? Don't play it, <laughs> just for pro tours." <laughs> <laughs> I torrential gear Hulk is spiked like crazy, so uh, how, obviously how, some people. Like, what? What's it worth? What's what's a torrential gear hole? Uh, it went from eight pre pro yeah. tour to approximately yeah. thirty USD. Yeah, we're really last I checked, base was buy listing it at twenty six. So it's gone way up. So and I've selling got, for forty five. I've got a full Korean that I put fifty down on on eBay that I'm waiting <laughs> for to win. So you better win. Uh, huh? You better win this bid, bro. I I, I want to check. I'm going to go back on my eBay right now and see. If I've got it, let's see. I still have it. Two days left, and that's fifty Canadian. Nice. So that's like forty. Nice. I mean, I do think that a card like that, once once the pro tour pressure has has gone away, like it's going to simmer down. Uh, I don't know. Like this, this is the type of card I want to play with in modern. Oh, same, same here. Well, I, I totally, I was hemming and hawing pre pro tour. Yeah, as I was like, ah, oh, like I almost pre-ordered four Gear Hulks four or five times. 
Yeah. But I already I had pre-ordered some other stuff and surprisingly actually that other stuff like smugglers copters I pre-ordered at 8 and they're at like 25 or something like that uh or 20 yeah. and uh Sky Sovereigns I pre-ordered at like 450 and they're now at 8 or 9. So I hit on some stuff but uh I kept going ah torrential gear hulk is this is this too expensive or is this not uh our instance not good enough? Or how is this going to work? But I, I just freaking love the card. Yeah, I love okay. it too. Yeah, it's, it's great. Like, I want to play it in Guile theme. <laughs> I mean, it's so dirty. Deck? No, no. Guile theme's a deck? Guile theme's one of my decks. One of my Magic what? Online. I'm really upset with Magic, and I want to play something fun. Okay. Okay, let me see if I can bring up. Because I haven't played Guile theme in a while. But what is this my... deck? It's a modern deck. And here we go. So uh, I had done a white splash at one point, and this is the last build with my white splash. So it was three Pact of Negations, two Spell Snares, uh, Spell Pierce, three Spell Snares, four Remen, four Rune Snag, four sna- uh, three Snapcasters, three Cryptic Commands, two Guiles, two Repeals. Two Sphinx Revelation, two Supreme Verdicts, two Shadow of Doubts. Uh, and then it ran some Hallowed Fountains, a whole bunch of Islands, some Scalding Tarns, some Tech Edges, and four uh, Vidalcan Shackles. Oh, so it's just I straight counter spells. Straight counter spells and Guile. Huh. And while I play it, I go dun 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 dun. Yeah, so I do that. I think we just have like the new A team intro. Just the music. That's just the music. Yeah. And the cyborg would like walk like some uh, you know throwback uh, awesome mono blue cards like Plume Veil, okay, because that's you know just oh, a yeah. nice little thing. And then like threads, and I had a bribery. Bribery was in there for whenever I was the deck, because uh, then or I just like you can yeah yeah just guy now yeah I haven't played this deck since that was a thing, but this is just like one of my old school. Whole bunch of counter spells and guile that deck, and I was thinking, well, geez, I can have my snapcasters and I can have my fat casters, and then I can have all my counter spells and guile. Hmm. Sweet. That's interesting. Well, I actually have had long conversations with people about why there are no control decks, why the the control decks are not white blue in modern, and why there are actually only two ish control decks period and why everything yeah. else is just a tempo get tempo deck mm-hmm. and uh i think that i i love this shell i think that torrential gear hulk might be one of the things that that deck needed uh outside oh my the- god well, go ahead yeah well it's just it was like they said on uh on the pro tour and and one of the things that was brought up and one of the things that's just very true about the card is that it is a flash ability that disrupts what your opponent's doing and simultaneously turns the corner. 
Yeah. Because control decks, that's always been the thing, is that they don't let you play, and then they get up on cards on you, and they continue not to let you play, and when they have so much more land than you because they're so far ahead on cards, they find a turn where they can put a threat down and still keep you from playing. And at that point there, they've turned the corner. Now it's, okay, well, I'll do my one spell a turn. Oh, they tap six, put a five, six on the table, counter your spell, and spit in your face. Like, jeez, the card was disgusting. It was so gross seeing that card get played. Uh, why, why, are, why is face-to-face sold out of Torrential Gearhulks at 45? I'm sorry, I'm sorry, bro. Uh, Jared, did any deck excite you to be uh, playing standard? Uh, yes, okay, so uh, I really enjoyed I have this thing and it's pretty much been since uh, Pro Tour uh, Return to Ravnica that whatever Levy plays I usually will put together it and run it through a couple tournaments so he has the he had like a dredge style deck that was uh, an emerge it was like a red blue emerge deck but it was four prized algums, uh, four well, of each of the stitch wings. Fuck off. <laughs> Are uh, you just dropping syllables now? Is that what's up? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I can drop every syllable I want. Um, <laughs> so four wretch griffs, four elder deep fiends, and then three tormented voices, three, uh, whatever that, cathar- what was the reunion card Cathartic called? Cathartic reunion. Cathartic reunion. Four lightning axe. Three fiery tempers and then uh, some Kozlik returns, and he also runs uh, Sanctum of Vugans in there. So it's just self mill, then bring back Stitchwing Scab. Maybe you discard a prized algum to that, and fuck you, Mendoza, <laughs> and uh, even arrest Stitchwing. And when you do that, the prize comes back at the same time. Like, it comes back at the end of the turn. Uh-huh. So you do it during their second main, you discard it, you get power on the board out of your graveyard, and then you have these expensive spells that you've cheated into play, so you can emerge off of them very uh, cheap as well. So, like, with four mana, you can be emerging Elder Deep Fiends uh, pretty early on, as, as early as turn four. So it's just this, like, really interesting little value engine, and... It was just very fun to watch play. It's my dredge deck in standard. Yeah, that's actually the one that I have built. Uh, it's a different one. It's the it's a Grixis. Uh, okay, yeah, with the uh, artifact dude too. With uh, smuggler's copter as well and uh, sc- scap- scrap heap scrounger. Uh, yes, and that deck is super fun. Yeah, I enjoyed all of the. Like, I enjoyed the Grixis or the Mardu uh, vehicle decks that had the Scrap Heap because the Scrap Heap guy, if control's going to be a thing, like, the fact that you can have your vehicle survive and you have a pilot for the vehicle that kind of comes out of nowhere, like, that's, that's really powerful. Yeah. So I really got a, I really enjoy that. Um, what I like about this deck is that it just, it, it brings everything in just a little bit tighter. It's just a bit of a tighter package. And you get to play Nahiri's Wrath, which is pretty cool. Oh, cool. That version I haven't, haven't played. Yeah. Uh, but Nahiri's Wrath seems interesting. I, the version I played plays the Haunted Deads, 
and uh, some of the other stuff. Yeah. Uh, as in that place, but I just I love it because you can all of a sudden go from end of your opponent's second main phase, discard two cards to haunted dead. Uh, one of those is prized amalgam. Uh, you suddenly have two. You suddenly have six to nine points of power on the board, and then you just have to get to untap. Uh, the one thing that I think is holding that deck back is its mana base, though. Uh, it's got to get that figured out because it's well. See, and that's another thing that's nice about this one is it's red and blue. Oh, okay. No, no black. No black at all. Just red, blue. So okay, that's okay. that's perfect. You don't need anything more. And it's one of those decks where. If you get the prized in your hand, like you will never feel like, oh, geez, I can't cast this. The deck is designed to never make you feel that way. So I appreciate that, too. Because who the hell wants to ever cast that card? I never want to cast that card. I play with that card in multiple formats, and I never want to cast that card. I don't know. It's fine if you're going to emerge it next turn. No. Okay. I, I just no. I, I I thought that graveyard uh, to play graveyard to play that's the only way that card's supposed to exist. True, uh, I it's agree like with people that like paying five mana for a force of will. Like, what the fuck's wrong with you? Yeah, occasionally you do it. Yeah, but yeah, all I want to do in this format is chain elder deep beans. Yeah, that's that's pretty hot. That is very that is attractive. <laughs> The other deck that I liked, I enjoyed uh, Big Ends, I think it was. He was playing uh, the Blue-Red uh, oh, yeah. Zapper, whatever the thing's called. Dynavolt or whatever? Uh, yeah, Dynavolt. Tower deck? Yeah. Zap. And it's just like completely non-interactive magic. Except in kind of an interactive sort of way. I just like that there's no combat. And then the fact that it's like well, this deck was kind of annoying. It's kind of playing its own thing. It's hard to deal with because they're just going to shoot things. So they've got this little artifact, and if you deal with the artifact, then maybe you've got them dealt with. And then they just switch it up, and all of a sudden you're dealing with Nibbles of Frost, which is a card that makes you just want to slam your dick in a door so you can enjoy life. <laughs> so, yeah. I'm looking up Nibbles of the Frost right now. I can't remember what exactly it does. It is Dungeon. four mana three three flyer with prowess. Okay. And whenever you cast an instant or source free, it frost tightens something. Oh. <laughs> yeah. A card that when I first saw it, I was like, this is a card I quasi spec'd on uh-huh. in the sense that like I went to the store and I saw foils for like four dollars or five dollars and said, Yeah, hey, I'm gonna buy all those. So at the local store, I bought a bunch of foil nibbles of frost that he had because I thought that they were disgustingly underpriced because I thought the card was much better than it turned out to be, but it still is seeing some fringe play here. And like this deck, it has the transformational sideboard, right? So it just gets out of the whole Dynavolt game and gets into the making your life miserable with nibbles of frost game. <laughs> I, th- to be fair, nibble- foil nibbles of frosts are now three Canadian dollars. So you only lost a dollar or two per foil Nibbles of Frost that you bought. Absolutely, absolutely. That's the price you pay. It could be worse. It could be worse. Yeah. Uh, I also like to update that now that I'm four boxes of Korean Kaladesh in, I have still yet to pull a masterpiece 
out of a Korean box of the sets that they're available in. Ah. I'm 0-12. Because I did four Battle for Zendikar, I did four Oath of the Gatewatch, and I've done four Kaladesh, and I have yet to get a single Expedition out of them. Or whatever they're called, Masterpiece. So I am of the belief that they don't actually exist in Korean boxes. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's what I'm going to go with. I did get a sweet uh, foil Korean Adventures Fair, though, so I thought that was a pretty cool card in one of my boxes. Nice. And I also got a foil uh, Fumigate, which is kind of cool, but not really. Yeah. Uh, I'm wondering if that. I'm wondering how good that card can possibly be with vehicles and I, uh, vehicles. I, I don't know. You, you watched more, much more Pro Tour coverage than I did, but it feels like vehicles have changed the game in terms of sorcery speed removal is now mostly bad, and planeswalkers are so bad. I feel like. Okay, so what do planeswalkers suffer from? What does control decks? What do control decks suffer from? Manland, control decks suffer from. Or they hate haste. True. They hate haste. They hate a threat that just shows up and does something. And that's <laughs> what vehicles are. Vehicles are equipment that, if you kill the creature, the equipment is still there. Um, they're just a little bit more vulnerable. The equipment itself, and it gives everything haste and an ability, and changes their power and toughness. So that, that's the way that I look at it. Is when you put down a piece of a, a put down a vehicle. What you've actually done is you've put down a piece of equipment that is free to equip um, and gives your creature haste. And that's how I view them. And the fact that Smuggler's Copter... Like, that's the thing. is I knew the card was good, but I hadn't really looked at it. So I'm sitting down to the Pro Tour, and I'm just like, wow, he casts that on turn two. Okay, well, I guess he needs a true drop to... No, no. Okay, the one drop can crew... It's a crew one? And it's a 3-3? Three, three? Like, where did they get this card? Where did they come up with this thing? <laughs> that card is very good. Yep. And it's loot, not on connection, but on attacking and blocking. It's just insane. Uh, we yeah. were commenting on... Uh, I've been wanting to pick up Chandra Torch of Defiances. Torch it. Chandra Torch of Defiances? Yep, that's how it, that's how it should be said. Chandra. Uh, but I've been waiting for it to drop because that the it's not good, unfortunately. Smuggler's Copter has pushed that card out of the format, which is insane. Chandra, by all means, should be insane. It should be not so good. But it's not. I mean, everybody knew that the blue-white Planeswalker was the one that was going to see all the Pro Tour play, right? Right? <laughs> <laughs> Um, in my testing as well, um, I'm actually going to head down for GP Providence this uh, weekend, which is kind of weird oh, to say. Okay, on my oh, shelf. You, buddy. Are you going to so, go to work or are you going to go to play? I'm going to go play. No work involved. Um, it's going to be interesting. I'm just trying to pick up a deck that bashes people's faces. So I'm going to be, I'm most likely be playing red green energy. Um, I think some of the cards, like, it didn't do too well at the PT, maybe, like, roughly a 50% or somewhere around there. 
win percentage, but there are different versions. Sean McLaren came up with a funky version, and he put up twenty one. Like he put up good results somehow, uh, despite even Brian somehow. Sue thinking Brian Sue thinks it's garbage. From from what I've heard, I think it's kind of. I I don't know if it's quite. It's weird because, uh, like for example, my friend won regionals with it. Uh, I I don't know. It may be a deck that's better, worse in a field that is prepared for it. Right. Because it was definitely a known quantity going into the Pro Tour. Um, so I would say it was probably a level 1 or level 1.5 deck. And now, what's in, yeah, what's interesting is how people will adapt the PT results because it didn't do so well at the PT heading into Providence. What is its matchup versus uh, blah, 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 blah. Apparently, how, how does that? Huh? I talked to Willie Edel a bit, and he says that's that's favorable. He likes that matchup. So I, I okay. played the Marvels deck, and it is pretty vulnerable to aggressive decks. It feels like uh, if creatures can get bigger than Kozilek's return can deal with, uh, like a you know a, a, just an aggressive start can put a lot of pressure on the Mar the. Etherworks Marvel player, and oftentimes, for example, when I was playing the Grixis deck against uh, my against James playing uh, the Aetherworks Marvel deck, he could Aetherworks activate Marvel as soon as turn five, and he was just dead. He would slam Emrakul, and then still lose. Uh, so I, I would imagine the deck has probably a little better against. The Voltaic Brawler, that green-red energy, uh, the matchup is probably a little bit better for Aetherworks Marvel, but I don't. How aggressive KYT is the green-red energy deck? I think it's like really. Um, I honestly feel like some draws feel like uh, honestly feels like the Infect deck, especially the Pummeler. Um, okay, so yeah, you're playing with the Pummeler, right? Yeah, and it just feels insane to me. It feels it just I'm, I'm thinking of Infect the whole time when I have the Pummeler in play. Um, I've never touched Harness by Lightning or Harness Lightning uh, before, and seeing that card in play from either my end or my opponent's end, it just blows me away of how good that that card is because usually um, Red has trouble dealing with fatties. And not yeah. if you have enough energy. I mean, this can kill basically anything. And what's weird, like, I didn't know how it worked, Jer, so it's like, I didn't know that... You don't spend the lightning until you know... Right. Until the spell resolves. So you can't so, even react to it as the other guy, right? Like... Well, you can react. You know that there's a lightning bolt coming, but how hot is that bolt, you don't know. Right, so it can make you, like, waste certain things. And, for like, if you pump it too big, then it doesn't... Then he can keep his energy for, like, a later turn, right? So it's like... Yeah, well, you go to, you go to shoot something, he decides to sack self with spirit, you gain three energy. Right. So it's like... you can, The fact that you can choose and still make, basically, your subsequent lightning, like, better, is just, like, it blows my mind. Yeah. And, um... But, but back to the Planeswalker being weak, like, Willie Edel plays, like, Arlen Cord, one, he splits it 1-1, one, one, main and sideboard, and I haven't found it good in any matchup, really. Um, the fact that... I know that makes, Mike, who plays all yeah. the Planeswalker decks, he's always been a big fan of that card. Mike Lewis? Mike Lewis, yeah. Um, I think... I don't know why, it's just, like, 
maybe the rest of the deck has to have a lot of synergy with it. I just feel like if it's being brought against control, um, the fact that it just makes it 2-2 every other turn doesn't excite me. And like some of the other abilities require the deck to go wide to be able to profit from it. Like when it's on the uh, the wolf side and it has a plus one creature to control, get plus one, plus one, gain trample in the, until end of turn. Can't really take advantage of that in a deck where you're really trying to like force one guy in and just kill them with that one guy. So I really felt it was really underwhelming. And like Matt sort of uh, brought up, it's, it starts as a 3-3, which is like already super vulnerable. Like if you go zero, make it a 2-2, two, two, it's at a three counter. It's in copter range. So that's really bad. And it can't even kill a copter with its minus one on the wolf side. So I just felt it was really underwhelming in every sing like in every single matchup for for the format that I invest into it. So, huh. I wonder if just if you can play Arlencord, you probably just should play Chandra. Yeah, I I just feel I feel that way as well. Um especially I think against control the plus one and hoping the ultimate plan seems way more effective than just making two twos every other turn. That's that's what I feel. Or going up to five, I've seen, uh, I think Sean McLaren may have played one in his sideboard, like one uh, Nissa five. And I kind of like that, like making five fives every turn, that's a lot more threatening than just making a bunch yeah. of random two twos. And especially before, like Xenagos made two twos that every turn and they had haste. So I like that part of it. And this feels like a lot too slow, relatively speaking. So I, I'm not sure. I think I'm gonna, definitely not going to be playing this card uh, at the GP if I play some sort of version with Willie Edel. I know Kibler had his own version, and he mentioned to to Alex that if he played it over again, like what he and Sean, I think Sean did, or maybe Sean didn't do this, but Mike Good, who did really well with the deck as well, he would bring in blue cards from the sideboard because you had a tune that allowed you to, to be able to fetch that basic island somewhat um, consistently, so he would bring in the gates and, and other blue spells, and, and we've seen other people do that, and Kibler had mentioned to Hayne that he would consider playing the blue-red Madland even in, in the uh, red-green energy deck for more resilience, I guess. So that is interesting, and I think that probably fits more in the non-Pummeler version, because I think in the Pummeler version, you want all of your lands to come in to play untapped. I think it's way more important yeah. in that deck than yeah. in the straight, in the straight, I guess, more consistent build when you can afford to just tap, have some mana lands tap. So options there to consider. But I just feel it feels so good. Like, you can attack with a 4-3. Uh, turn 3, you can make the, the cub really big, yeah. really quickly. It's just pretty crazy to me. The cub only triggers yeah. it. It triggers once, right? No, cub is cub is. You can just keep paying, pay, pay, pay. Okay. Cub is not a an on attack trigger. It's a just pay, pay, pay. Just like bristling hydra is a pay, pay, pay. Okay. Yeah. So already, if you play like an attune, you have two energy. You play that a cub on turn two. You can already make it a three, three, and attack with it, and. And heck, even on turn three, if you play any of like a brawler or anything else that gives you more energy, you already have a four form to play, so, and you're attacking. And if you hit, it allows you to make it a five five. So there are some sick sequences where 
depending on your opponent's deck, it can be really hard to deal with early on. How yeah. crazy is it? And I was commenting this when testing with James for the for regionals. How crazy is it that just because a card gives you energy completely changes how playable it is? For example, oh, yeah. would an aggressive red green deck play Lay of the Land? Yeah, yeah, no. <laughs> no. But it gives you two energy. That's insane. Uh, same thing with uh, the blue Puzzle Knot. They're playing a two-mana sorcery speed permanent that just scries two when it enters the battlefield. Yeah. If it didn't give you energy, you would never play that. Uh, right. Well, you're forgetting there's one other thing that that card does. It, you, you can sack it for additional no, 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 no. <laughs> no, no, no. Okay. It lowers the cost of Colossus by two. Oh, that is also true. That, that's very important. I was thinking more of it in the Marvel deck, because that's where I've played it. But uh, yeah. it does actually make a lot of sense. Yeah, in the Colossus deck, it's in there. The other thing that it does really well is it is one half of a team that gets sacrificed to bring a Colossus back from the graveyard. Okay. Hmm. I, I am still like surprised with some of his uh, card choices because I haven't played the format enough, but he's not the only one, Willie, to, to play Fog in the sideboard specifically for the mirror, I guess. Like, uh, I think he mentioned that where you know, you're trying to Fog when the person tries to go off with the Pummeler. But, I mean, that's pretty narrow application for me in terms of overall matchups. So I don't know. If I, like, I, I've never played Fog in my life in a construct, well, no? let alone limited. Maybe, maybe, maybe once. I've, play, I've played Fog. I've played Fog. I've played good, I've played good type of Fog, I think. Like, Fog's have been I, something else, I think. Well, like, I've never just, played Turbo Fog. I've never played Turbo yeah, Fog. You, you, you yeah, should play Turbo yeah. Fog. Yeah, yeah, like, awesome. there's Turbo Fog. That's one thing. I remember also playing uh, Mind's Desire and Future Sight. Oh, yeah. And you used to play Moments Peace. Oh, my God. What oh, Moments Peace, yeah. Piece. That was such a hot card. Holy jeez. <laughs> hot flashes. Um, but no, even just fog. Even just good old-fashioned fog, like if you're playing an aggro matchup, like say you're playing against the vehicles, you're beating each other back, you're racing. They sit there and they see, okay, if I attack with everything, I have enough to win the game. I attack with everything, I kill your creature, and I've got enough to finish the game off. And then you cast fog, and now you essentially get the freebie <laughs> bitch slap back you know it, what it does is it it in a, an uh an all-in aggro mirror it is the the math fucker like it just completely throws their 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 calculation out the window to the point where it's 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 like a combat time walk i guess i, I, guess I see it really bad like because hmm. like fog to me always was like oh man it's a waste of a card but here I think even more so in, in the mirror because there you can even do it it doesn't even have to be like the ultimate attack you can just do it when they're using like a single pump spell and you're already trading damage and one for one in terms of cards right yeah. or if they're using yeah. two cards two pump spells then you're like laughing right so uh, I don't know I mean like how I would question how play draw dependent that that mirror match is, because if it's super play dependent, then maybe that fog is exactly what you want to yeah, just and like buy the one turn. A, mm -hmm. Yeah, and like even thinking like the red white tokens deck that we saw 
brought uh, the the Greek fellow up there. How many of his turns would be based around getting the reckless bushwhacker on that turn, like that that uh, following up with the reckless bushwhacker and just like pushing through a crap ton of damage? So it's like he casts this thing to put the two uh, servos into play, and then he goes reckless bushwhacker. And at that point, there he's like, I attack with everything. You just okay, no blocks, fog. Yeah. Like, what does that guy think? Because it's like that was his play. That was his all in. Like that was his. You know, and now he's like missed the goal and it's all over the table and he's feeling shame and he's already starting to shrink down and wither down. And are you sure you're not talking about yourself at some random point in your life? Uh, well, pretty specific and graphic here. I mean, we see it. We see this type of effect in modern when it fog comes out of Infect and out of Tron boards, when you have, when you're playing in a format like, that has cards like Death Shadow plus Become Immense, or Infect, you know, with Pump Spells and Become Immense, when all you need is just that Fog to be just super good card advantage. Yeah. I just feel like you just straight up counter a Become Immense. That feels really fucking good, yeah. I agree with that. I mean, and you're playing the pummel. I mean, people are playing electrostatic pummel, and if you could just drain them of resources, like you're draining them for. I mean, energy is cards. Like that needs to be. People are playing lay of the land because energy. So lay of the land uh, energy. You know, it's probably two energy is half a card. Would you guys say? No, I don't know. No. <laughs> Straight no. up, no. Okay. Or no. I understand where you're going with it, but I don't know if cards is the right way to go about it. Well, yeah. I mean, you you are able to deplete an opponent of a resource that is harder to build up. Yes. You know, if you can I'm... take away six of their energy, and they're probably not going to have another six energy for two turns. So, this format looks... Stupid fun, though. This is the most exciting standard I've seen in a long time. Even yeah. the drafting has been fun for me. I'm enjoying drafting. You've got, you, you're right, you've got decks of all kinds, and uh, the, the way I just packed the standard is crazy. I just finished the draft uh, before we started casting, and oh, it really? was black, green, splashing red. Um, I had a fabric- uh, fabrication module. I had a uh, panharmonicon, which the card is just ridiculous. And it, and it was just like this random energy slash fabricate black green deck that splashed for a PNLR and a welding sparks off of a couple aether hubs and the two drop green guy that taps for uh, any color if you pay an energy. Okay. But, like, getting uh, Panharmicon and the Fabrication module out at the same time, like, it would just be absolutely ridiculous. Like, cast Thriving Rhino, have a couple of mana open, I get four energy, and I get two plus one plus one counters starting on the Thriving Rhino, or one, whatever the hell I want, for that matter. So, you just, like, get, like, this massive, these stupid massive things. Cast Pia, get two Thopters. It's like, hey, wait a second. This is like the Mom and Pa Thopter shop. Yeah. Oh, by the way, one of the things that I wanted to bring up a couple weeks ago uh, that I observed about this standard format 
is that because vehicles are a thing, I am now mm-hmm. extensively looking at every three mana, two dr- or two two pers- two two creature that makes another one one, whether it's a scion, whether it's a servo, whether it's a thopter, anything, uh, because I think those are super. Those are actually a lot more crucial to this. They may be a lot more crucial to this format going forward than what they normally would have been. Uh, so Sky, Sw- uh, Sky Spawner, uh, even Scion Summoner, that d- hasn't seen a lot of play, it's still a three-mana creature that makes a 1-1 one, one that can be on defense and then activate uh, activate Smuggler's Copter on curve. So I don't know if anybody else has brought that up, but I just wanted to put that yeah, in Yeah, Ethro was playing... Uh, playing... Uh, the black green guy that makes a token and you scry and shit. Catacomb Sifter, yeah. Also. Yeah, Catacomb Sifter. That seemed like a pretty good card. Put your little dude in the fucking helicopter. Blah, blah, yeah. blah, 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 blah. Well, you even get the selection too because you can uh, act, you can crew, copter, attack, trigger on the stack, scry, sack scion summoner, or sack the scion, scry, uh, if you want to. If that's something that you're looking to do. So yeah, this format is... Maybe I should just play the show to deck. No, that's a trap. Always (laughs) a trap. Well, that and Torrential Gear Hulks are super stupid expensive right now. I bought four boxes. I'm pretty sure I got a couple of them. I don't know. I wouldn't be surprised if you were like, well, I didn't get any Torrential Gear Hulks or Copters. I didn't have a single Chandra or Nisa until I opened my last box, and I got both in that last box. Oh, all right. That's good. It was actually a pretty decent box, because I got the Chandra, I got the Nisa, I got two foil rares in it. Like, the foil uh, Fumigate and the foil Trading Post came from that one box. Uh, I got Smuggler's Copter. I think I got four dual lands out of it. Like, it was, it was a stacked box. Rockin'. Uh, going in the future, uh, so I'm go. I don't know about you guys, but I'm going to. Uh, uh, I actually am got tapped for coverage for Eternal Weekend. Uh, really? This in two weeks. So yeah, I'm going to be doing that. Good for you. It's yeah. well deserved. I like it. So Card Titan is sponsoring that tournament as well as the coverage, and I'm going to go work for Nick Koss, who is. The owner of Car Titan and one of the best people in the MTG community by far. Just because uh, he's your boss doesn't mean you have to pump his tires. Oh, I pumped his. Well, you don't hear us doing that about je fast à fast. I mean, if Sal were really like more of a, a decent human being. Wow! Whoa! Shots fired. Bang bang! Shots <laughs> no. fired. Sounds great. Uh, but uh yeah, that's what I'm gonna be doing in uh two weeks and then the next week the week after that is Dallas. So I'm gonna be testing a lot of modern, playing tri- Are you playing going to Dallas? Favorite. I am, yes. You are? Yeah. When is that? Uh in three weeks. Is that November twelfth? No, it's the sec uh first weekend of November. November fifth. Yes. Okay, no, I can't do that one for sure. Yeah. Well, let me double check. 
but it's going to be a very, very busy. My buddy Mike is going down. He's got a place already set up. Like they got a, they rented a house already. A couple of people. Oh, okay. so there's a, a contingent of Edmontonians going there. And he was trying to get me to go out there, but no, there's no way we're going to be pouring concrete around there. We'll be pouring concrete probably on the fourth, the third or the fourth. Okay. So. Yeah. yeah, it is November 4th through 6th, so that is yeah. a bummer. That is a bummer. Could have played Ponza, bro. No, no. But <laughs> I will do you a solid. I will get your updated Ponza list, and I will make it on Magic Online because I think I have most of the cards for it because I made it once. And um, I will send you a tweet every time I, hey, just lost an eight man, thought you should know. <laughs> hey, just lost a daily, thought you should know. Hey, went one and four in the league, thought you should know. Just to, you know, level out this uh, feedback echo chamber loop that you've got. Yep, yep. I wish I like you it. would. I wish you would. <laughs> you know, I'm not saying it's the best damn deck. I'm just saying it's... I, I didn't say that either. I, I, in fact, I was saying strictly the other thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm excited about what Imperion is going to take. I, I, I'm excited about the amount of opponents that are just going to fume because they just lose to Imperion, especially in their main deck. It's going to be great. I think that that's one of those ones that, like, if you get them within game one, you immediately get rid of it for the rest of the match. Well, I think that it depends. Auto side on it. It depends on the deck, right? Because if they don't have like a if they don't have a clean answer to it, then it's probably still fine. Yeah, but if they get beat by game one, like I honestly imagine people are going to put in something into their deck to deal with it. And if you can like make three cards in their deck, four cards in their deck, completely bricked. Like, holy crap, that's amazing. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So here's my logic here. Uh, I think that I am going to do that in situations where I think Ancient Grudge is the card that they're bringing in. The problem is that a lot of decks, whether they, whether they, if they bring in Natural State, it just doesn't target, target Imperion, so I'm not worried about that. They see Blood Moon, and they bring in Nature's Claim or whatever they have to deal with that sort of stuff. Yeah. So I think if they bring in a more specific removal spell like Grudge or Hercules Recall or something, I don't know. I, I don't even know if I would bring... I, I think I just always leave in Imperions versus Fish. But, uh, yeah, I mean, and that's that's just theory. So, I mean, it could all be incorrect. And Imperion could be just bad. It could Everybody could be just ready for it and uh, have it be a known quantity and then like everybody has an answer for it. So, but I don't know, with modern being so diverse, there's only so much so many answers you can have for it. Like scape shift, if you just for example, if you have six permanents and a blood moon and an imperion, they just can't do anything. Cuz if they if they're playing breachscape, they can attack you with Emrakul, but you have to, you know, you just have to have an, enough permanents to be able to Get around the Emrakul attack. They, if you Blood Moon them, they can't Valakut for massive damage to kill the Imperion. And they play like three bolts main, three or four bolts main. Hmm. 
Hmm. So, and then they don't play a whole heap of blockers to to block your Imperion that's attacking them for eight every turn. So, I don't know. It may be way better than what we think. It may also be fine. Yeah. So, KYT, have you, other than, so GP Providence, and then Jeremy, what have you got? Anything coming up? Me? Yeah, anything coming up? Holy shit. Uh, let's take a look. Edmonton Magic. MTG Edmonton Notable Events. Still 2016? Uh, it's 17. No, it's still 2016. <laughs> I'm not going to get tricked by you. Okay, so I go home late because Halloween and stuff. Jeez, it doesn't seem like there's anything going on for the Halloween weekend. Could this be right? This appears to be right. Yeah, no, I think I'm going to miss everything. Uh... So, let's see. When I go home, it's going to be Halloween weekend. I'm going to be a bumblebee because my daughter wanted me to be a bumblebee. <laughs> Man, I want, this, I want pictures, bro. Yeah, so <laughs> yeah, my daughter's yeah. like, for, for Halloween, she's like, I'm going to be a princess. And it's like, oh, oh awesome. What's daddy going to be? Daddy's going to be a princess, too. Oh, really? And then a couple minutes later, I'm going to be a bumblebee. Oh, yeah, well, what's daddy going to be? Daddy's going to be a bumblebee. Oh, okay, I'll order the costumes right now. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Yeah. So we have a family of bumblebee costumes. And, yeah, we're going to go. I'm going to stay an extra day here so that I can go back and I can. Because normally I would actually come home or I'd come back to work on the Monday which is Halloween. So what I'm doing is we're going to work an extra day this shift so we can come back a day late for the next one so that we're home for Halloween with our kids and stuff. So I just that's going to be you would, ex- you would take less money to stay home more often and play more magic. Well, that would be great, but <laughs> like I'd have to just straight up get a new career. And that would be really cool. <laughs> I just need people to pay me lots of money to do it. <laughs> all right, guys. Yeah, well, we will uh, see you all next week. See you all next week, and hope I don't scrub out. Yeah. Later, guys. Yeah. Bye.